Hey everybody, welcome to Brain Shampoo. I'm here with my co-hosts, Dapika Pangarkar. Hello, Dapika. Hi, how are you doing? I'm all right. And Lewis Hout Prokop. Hello, Lewis. Hello, Rob. How are you? <laughs> oh my gosh, you're so deep and sexy. This is sultry. I, I love oh, it. Oh, sultry, yes. It's a Sunday afternoon. What can you say? Oh my. Your audio is so good with those headphones. Oh my gosh. It's just giving you know, me chills. This reminds me of um of like a Sherlock Holmes, like in the morning of Sunday, like 1 a.m. The fog rolled in. The exactly. fog rolled in on a dark exactly. and moonless night. We could barely hear the sounds of the wolves in the distance baying. A oh man walks up. <laughs> Pretty, typi pretty typical Sunday afternoon. That's right. <laughs> in Minnesota. Everybody, welcome to. So, this is the Brain Shampoo Podcasts. Uh, today, we are going to talk about things that we like. One of the things we like are life skills. Wow, there's a segue, huh? Professional segue right there. Life skills. We were talking a little bit about this earlier, and Lewis was having a, an amazingly good rant. And we said, hey, wait, save it for the podcast. So we're going to start with Lewis. Lewis, what life skills have you learned recently that you might want to share with the rest of us? You're kind of the master yeah. of life skills. You're like, you're a, kind of a self-improvement guru, I would say. You know, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like I can dish it out. I might not be able to take it though. I can offer great advice. And then I really pull back because like, am I actually applying it to myself? I don't know. Okay. But this week, yes. this week, I feel like I actually did something. So my normal pattern that I consider as a life skills, I try to get up before anyone else in the house. So I have like this fresh hour of the day, first hour of the day. It's fresh and it's the first hour of the day sure. where no one else definition. is downstairs. Yeah, yeah. So no one else is downstairs. And I usually, and I always... I would say, fill it with gathering some news, getting in like the, the newsletter from New York Times each morning, reading that so I get a baseline understanding what's going on. And then normally it's like, all right, I flick through the socials and I see what's going on and I don't do anything about it. I just sort of look at it. And then an hour goes by, people start waking up and looking for breakfast and that I realized I didn't do anything. I just read news and that was it. So I've, what I've been doing is I still get the news, but then within that first 30 minutes of being up, I make myself, because I know once I start doing this, it will branch into a longer stretch of time where I actually keep doing it, of something productive. And so this week, it's been a combination of reading uh, whatever I'm reading. It could be some articles. It could be a book that are not related to the news. Or in this particular week, it is catching up on uh, the science of well-being, which is an online course that's free right now through Yale uh, that I signed up for a couple weeks ago, and it started a couple weeks ago. And I've just been sort of taking my time. Uh, it's all self-paced, but I really got into it. And so I actually started doing this before that whole hour was up. So I got to this week today, and I realized I've actually completed week two, which is where I'm supposed to be if I were taking it in real time. Uh, and so I feel like I was productive with my time. I was actually learning some things because I work better at, overall during the day if I'm motivated by something that I have absorbed or that's going to like make me think. Maybe not profoundly, but it's great if it does, but just gives me a little bit more than like 
all right, what are the stories out there that I've missed in the last 24 hours on Instagram? Sure, those are great too, but I don't need to spend the first hour of the day doing it. That should be like a break. It shouldn't be how I start the day. So that has really grounded me in a different way so that not only do I feel like I've uh, invested my time better during the week, but I have more to talk about. So the next time I actually see someone, which is a challenge right now, but I, I see my friends who are also colleagues, and sometimes my colleagues are friends. <laughs> and then people that I like, I live, and then also people that I live with, where I'm like, hey, I have this new thing that I figured out, as opposed to like, how's it going? Yep, we're still here. <laughs> I can say I, I have now like new facts, or I have new ideas that are coming up, or I actually wrote a poem for the first time in two months, because I feel like that's been stalled out for me, which I used to oh, do at least gosh. once a week. Nice. So something actually was stirred, and it continues to be hopefully continues to stir but i need to be rigid on that routine because i know if i put in just five minutes it'll turn into you know longer it might be a whole hour sure. but i need to just start it the hardest thing for me is starting something yeah that sounds so, a lot uh, like one of the things we did in improv class where you know they were or they said you know don't don't think about improv all the time because you got to get out there and live some life so you have something to improv about exactly so, uh, Lewis, it looks like uh, you're taking this time to learn something new and, uh, you know, have something to say about the world while uh, some of us, uh, me, <laughs> basically are uh, taking this time to learn about what the true meaning of vegetation is. You know, like we, we hear about it, like how, what, like being a vegetable, like what does that mean? And I, I think it's important that I take the time to truly learn what that means. Um, so mm. I've been in this quarantine just kind of watching movies and, and just living with like no mm -hmm. sense of purpose. Um, it's That's kind powerful. of refreshing. It, it, I mean, it is because in our entire lives, we're always like living to learn or to like, reach some goal or like advance in our career or make a friend or like make dinner like there's always like a goal and a purpose and I feel like I don't know now there's no goal there's no purpose you just live <laughs> and it's kind of freeing um in a way so yeah funny that uh, we're taking to this two different ways what's your uh, what's what vegetable do you picture yourself as a broccoli definitely broccoli really Ooh. interesting Yes. <laughs> you take like it a cheese green. bath. That'd be nice. It is. It's green. <laughs> it's, it's, it's healthy. I liked it growing up. My sister and I used to, um, well, I always used to make, as a side note, wanted to make my sister happy. So uh, as a kid, I used to trade her broccoli for her pasta. So she, I would give like some of my pasta to her and she would give me some of her broccoli. Cause my mom was all about like, you know, if you're going to have pasta, you have to have it with broccoli. This was like a common thing for my mom, eat a vegetable with, you know, starch. And I always used to take her broccoli and I didn't even like broccoli at the time, but you know, <laughs> I always wanted to impress my sister. So it stuck with me. So yes, broccoli is the vegetable of choice. What vegetable do you think you would, uh, you would be Rob? <laughs> what broad vegetable? Hmm. Well, broccoli is my favorite vegetable. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go the other direction. What what uh, vegetable I would never be? I would never be a pea. 
Because peas oh, are a stain and an abomination to no. all men. No. They're awful. Have you ever oh. felt that? It's just like that mushy texture in your mouth. See, I grew up in, I grew up in like north, northwest Iowa where you'd think that we would have fresh vegetables constantly, right? But no, the peas that we got when I grew up were the ones that were canned somewhere in California probably, put on a shelf for months at a time, and we would open them up. My mom would just put them on the stove boil them up it's just like the most disgusting mushy peas so that was my first experience with peas and since then i've hated them with a deadly passion oh man (laughs) i know it's dark (laughs) i think i think if your life story with peas would have been different from the beginning rob you would have a different appreciation you know the same way as i would for example the peas you're describing it would be like if your first initiation to ice cream was <laughs> soy ice cream oh <laughs> not the worst not the worst but now imagine yeah. imagine as a kid because when i was a kid that's all i had too soy ice cream i didn't have the difference to know about at the time i was i kind of put up with anything and i thought i liked it i did uh but once i had real ice cream i knew what the difference was so and I mean, we're talking for me, this was about 30 years ago when this was still kind of new. You didn't see a lot of this stuff. So you didn't have a lot of choices. Now you have a million different choices and it's much better. Mm-hmm. Just like with anything that's like non-dairy based or, you know, if we're going to go vegetarian or vegan, so many more choices. Now, Rob, picture you growing up and having okay. only one. Wait, 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 wait I'm going to get there. I'm going to, okay. I'm, all right. Yep. I'm a little kid now sitting down at the dinner table. Yep. Mom's, so mom's going to serve me something. Yep. So you get this soy ice cream that is probably the most basic soy ice cream, maybe has some flavor. Like, Mom, maybe. why is this ice cream yellow? Right. So, and you, but you don't have a difference. You don't know the difference until you get much older and maybe hopefully oh, yeah. you try something like... Uh, but until, then, but until then, I'm like, this is, ice cream is horrible. Why would anyone eat, ever right. eat ice cream? Okay, Rob, Rob, we're going to solve this right now. So okay. we're going to have one of All right, those, good. Uh, Wait, I'm sitting down. those good. Uh, ratatouille moments, if you've ever seen Ratatouille. Oh, I love Ratatouille. Where, yeah, that's one where, of my faves. You know, the critic like sits down, has a mm-hmm. bite of this Ratatouille, it, like takes him back to his mother. So I would like you to just imagine. <laughs> because, um, okay, wait. Okay, I'm going into my imagination. Go ahead. We do not. Okay, so I grew up with a peas that was very, very different than yours. My mom was very anti-frozen peas and canned peas. Um, I guess growing up in India, you could buy peas like on the street. And what they would do is they would buy like peas and then they would peel them themselves sure. and then take each individual pea and boil them. So my mom um, used to go to HEB, which is a grocery store in Texas. Um, and uh, she used to buy English peas from like the English section peas. that was it was fresh so it was like fresh english peas uh-huh. and i just want you to imagine like when you bite down into the pea it's like hard not mushy at oh. all what um it's hard and it it has like it doesn't have that like slimy layer that when you have when you eat like frozen peas it's like mushy and like melts in your mouth what does it's it taste like, like instead chewed. um like a sugar snap oh yeah oh like see, I do, sugar, see, yeah. I do see, like sugar yeah. snap peas. If I go to the grocery store and get some fresh sugar snap peas, I will eat them. But I think I'm really enjoying that, the outside part more than the inside part. Mm. You know, I don't know what that's, that's I mean, called, the, the shell. That's because the inside part's always really sad at the grocery store. But if you, if you <laughs> like, have a garden and you have your own oh, sugar yeah. snap peas, man, I bet those are delicious. 
Yeah. I once begged for frozen peas in the grocery store. I will never forget it. I was probably <laughs> five or six years old. I won't forget it because I created a scene. So we're going down the frozen aisle and I loved, still do, frozen peas no matter what. I just, oh it's, it's something I still love. If it's in the freezer, I will add it to anything. Wow. So we're going down there and normally I get to help, you know, pull the items out of the, you know, the, the bins or whatever it is that we're going through. We're going through the frozen section and my, mom, my mom's there. And I see for the first time that I've ever noticed a bag of not just frozen peas, but it had chopped pieces of carrot in it as well. Yeah. I thought nice. that looked like the greatest pint of ice cream ever. <laughs> and I, and we didn't need it because at that time it seemed like that was silly. Why would you need both of those things? Like it probably costs another 50 cents and you know, whatever. And so I remember saying, can we please get this? This looks amazing. And there was some other woman in the aisle there. She's like, I wish my child did that. <laughs> Never forget it. <laughs> I what believe you, I got it too. I believe I, I did. I was going to say, you, at that point, you can't, your mom can't possibly yes. deny you. That's the key, right? With children, you just need to make friends with an adult who somehow values whatever you want or like the cashier or someone so that when you go to the, the front of the store and you pick up that candy bar, you know who your stakeholders are, right? Like you're ready. You, you hand it to yes. the cashier, you make a face and you let the cashier do the rest. Yes. Yes. Children need to be, to be educated on, the, on who their stakeholders are. The yes, pick, pick good ones. Important. That's a slippery slope though, let me tell Ooh. you, because I was, so I was homeschooled and didn't have a lot of friends. I had some kids I would see, but I was a very, I was a loner and like, I wasn't a bothered by it, but my parents were, they were worried that I wasn't seeing enough kids or spending enough time with kids my age, especially as I got to like teenage years. So I was friends with adults all the time. Like I'd have mentors who would teach me woodworking or would teach me writing outside of the classroom at home. And so I got to be really good with communicating with adults, especially adults that were like 60 to 80 years yeah. old. And yeah. it was a huge stretch to like try to relate to anything in my generation. Uh, once I did, I was like, okay, now I get it. But it took a real sea change of oh. uh, emotional intelligence that I was yeah. not ready for until I like had to be there. So, so credit Lewis, to my folks for pushing me out. But yeah. Lewis, that uh, definitely brings me to uh, my current situation right now, um, <laughs> where I work with a lot of people that are older than me. And I have this similar problem where I'm like, they bring up their kids and I don't even have a dog. So I can't even like compare my dog to my kids. You know, most people, at least who have a dog um, and no children, you'll see them in conversations and they'll bring up, you know, like my kid did this. And then they'll be like, oh, well, yeah, I totally get you. That's like what my dog does. And I can't even say that. So I have to revert to when I was a kid, I also did these things. And I bet my mom was upset with me. And so I definitely, I understand that. You have to modify what you think. But and that's you're probably you not even working with people who remember what it's like to be middle-aged. Um, yeah, I mean, some of them are middle-aged. Uh, some are definitely, yeah, in that close to retiring range where mm -hmm. they don't, they don't, I don't think they remember what it's like to not have children. It's been it's so long. It's, it is, I'm, yeah, it's been mm, 20 some years since I've not <laughs> had children. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it is kind of hard to remember what that's like for me. Yeah. So there you go. Well, yes, Lewis, that's I why have, you had 
I have your conversation <laughs> opener or your conversation closer perhaps for that mm. conversation when you, the, you, when your colleagues are like, yeah, my kid doesn't want to wake up in the morning, doesn't want to get ready for school. Blah, blah, blah. You can be like, yeah, sometimes my doe doesn't want to rise either. Like neither <laughs> of them, they don't want to get up. You know, they don't want to do their job. And you know, it's, you're right there. Love it. Wait, could you repeat that? So you, you want me to. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not going to repeat that. <laughs> you know, a, a joke lands well and like there's silence and there's like, can you repeat that? Yeah. What exactly did you just spew out that I possibly will never want to say again? I want to make sure I don't say it. So can you say it clearly just so I don't right. mess up in the future? Right. So that's, that a, that's a sign of an excellent joke is, can you explain that for me, please? <laughs> okay. But. But Lewis, I'm, I'm telling you, one of the reasons why I thought I would never be good at improv is because my dad, he had these dad jokes that he put on WhatsApp. So, I mean, if you're Indian, you know, WhatsApp is like the, like, it is, it's like the family tree. Everyone has like a WhatsApp um, with like multiple groups and like you got your like family on one side, your family mm -hmm. on the other, and you got like, you have like 20 plus groups. So my dad, he used to post these uh, jokes on WhatsApp that just, my sister would laugh and it just would not land. And even when I was with my dad in person, he used to like have these jokes. And I don't know whether it was a dad joke or I just wasn't funny, but my sister would laugh hysterically and I did not understand the joke. So I would have to have my dad repeat it a few times to which he was obviously not amused at that point. So Lewis, I'm, I'm just letting you know, it, it might not be you, it, it might actually be me. Well, to be clear, <laughs> Most of the jokes that I can come up with or that I repeat because probably no one else has heard them because the people that are looking for them are not funny to begin with. Uh, <laughs> they are dad jokes. They are like classic Laffy Taffy uh, jokes that are not original, but very much like the Doe Rising joke that I just said mm -hmm. uh, shall never be repeated. Now you, you search out uh, uh, Laffy Taffy jokes, as I recall, don't you? I do sometimes because I'm known. Uh, so I, I we have a, we have Slack at work, and we have various channels. And sometimes we're just checking in the week, like, hey, what do you need? And sometimes my other uh, people on the channel will be like, yeah, we need some jokes. We need something to laugh about. And they're like, Lewis. And so I feel on the spot. <laughs> like people think, oh, I do improv, so therefore I got to be really funny all the time. I'm like, a lot of pressure. And so. <laughs> I'll just keep a couple that I've like remembered or that I like, I quickly search because I know no one else is going to go find them. Otherwise they would have already said it. Right. And then I can just drop it into the channel and uh, you know, I get some good emojis back and then like, all right, done my work here. They think <laughs> I'm still funny. I've spread light to these people's lives. <laughs> so uh, I, I got I the bat signal. I responded and now I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm unsure of, of how you guys feel about this, but I, I know that, I mean, improv to me is definitely, I'm, I'm not funny. Like, I don't take improv as I need to be funny. I'm, I'm not funny at all. And uh, I actually spent this entire week with, with Mitch, right? And he, we were talking and I would, I do this thing where when I want something, I will um, get a little sassy, especially when I'm like trying to communicate something to someone and they don't understand what I'm trying to say. I'll be a little bit sassy about it. Like, oh, you know, um, like the dishes are still in the sink. Oh, well, you know, they're, they're still there. I, I wonder why, like, you know, very passive. <laughs> sure, sure. 
So um, apparently I I do this thing where I go from like a really happy, bubbly personality to like a really upset, angry personality, like in a sassy way. And now every time I do it, Mitch will be like, that's your improv coming out. (laughs) Because it's like immediate, like I can swap emotions like very easily. Um, so I definitely, I feel like, uh, and he laughs about it. So maybe, maybe humor for me is just not a good joke. It's more just like emotionally charged. <laughs> like so, would you, so would you say that's a, a life skill that you've learned? <laughs> um, manipulation. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely a life skill. Um, well, <laughs> <laughs> I feel it. I do. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, sure. I will say though, Who said you're not funny again? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not buying it. <laughs> what is manipulation really though? Like we call it, I mean, it has such a negative connotation, but when I think of manipulation, I just think of it as like, mm. you know, as we say at work, like I brought up stakeholders because that's like a buzzword at work we use often, knowing your stakeholders, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, sure. Um, you know, if you're talking to your kid, uh, manipulating them to eat their vegetables, you can call it... Um, caring Absolutely. about their well-being or you can call it what it truly is you're manipulating them <laughs> sure. to do something that you want them to do yes i go to the you know i go to the doctor every once in a while and i just say how can you manipulate me to be a better, better person please <laughs> that's that is what it is right that person right. is trying to convince you <laughs> and fortunately it's something that's good for them right and i never manipulate people in a way to do hmm. something that isn't good for them but definitely like oh, there's some level of manipulation there <laughs> Oh, there's there's some objection from the other side of the aisle. (laughs) I I feel like I must object slightly, not in a way that I'm objecting to what you're saying, but you have, you've said very clearly to Pika that you are, you know, an expert manipulator and that you find very good reasons to manipulate. And I can agree. I think there are plenty of ways that manipulation is very good because you are actively trying to help other people. But the issue, I think, is if you think you are really good at it to the point where you may not be able to see the negative, that could be an issue because you get into, Uh you get into, not you per se, but you could get into a pattern of thinking that you know all of the things that should be happening because 12 of them were actually things that should happen. And then you get to like 25 and you're like, oh, maybe now I just am working on my agenda and people are going to just be like, oh, she's going to have another idea. Or he now thinks this should happen. And it's I, for myself, like I have to really be careful how I do or don't approach that situation. Because I feel like I do often think I know what should happen. But I think I'm never going to actually learn something if I don't allow them to do what they're doing. Now, it's different if you're trying to make a kid eat vegetables. That just needs to happen before yeah. they leave the table. Forget that. But once they get to a certain age and it may be a career choice, then you have to be like, ah, okay, let me hear your side. Do the dishes actually have to be put away yet? Is it going to change the dynamic of our relationship? Maybe okay, it is, but maybe what? Isn't. So I guess, I guess, Lewis, then the question becomes at what age are you going from this is my way or the highway to let's have a discussion about this? Because I would argue that when you're a kid, you are manipulating them to eat their vegetables. And yes, it's for their well-being, but calling it something that it's not just makes the person doing it feel better, right? You feel better about telling the person to eat their vegetables because you're like, this is good for them. But then it gets into, you know, when you're older and uh, as you were mentioning, you think something is good for someone and maybe it isn't. And now you're saying, I'm going to do this because I think it's good for you. 
Um, but I guess my question is at what point is that not okay now? I think it's when you are understanding where your values come into your decision and where their values may or may not be the same. So there could be a shared base of values that you know we both think dishes should be put away on time, uh, but maybe our sense of time could be different. Like, what is our value? Do we spend our time putting away dishes because it's Saturday night and we're not doing anything? Or should we actually find something to do with that time, be more creative than just saying, oh, it must be done because it must be done. That's a very minor example, but like thinking about bigger issues, bigger questions, if your values are not the same, you should, I think, uh -huh. discover what those values are. I wanna learn more from you, Topeka. I wanna learn more from you, Rob, before I just say, oh, I think because of what you said, this would be the best thing. I would wanna ask some probing questions so that if you are asking for advice, because you might not be, you might just be describing what's going on, then I can respond in a way that's not coming from a manipulation lens, even if I'm not intending to manipulate. It could be more of a, that sounds like your structure for putting away dishes maybe needs to be defined more. Might, maybe it's something that is you know, outside of this situation. Maybe there's a bigger issue behind it. Ah, uh, yeah. I, I might have a slightly different answer. Uh, if you if you feel that the art um, manipulation is justified for what and, and I'm not saying whether it is or isn't or what situations it is justified, when do you change from when do you, you change? I, in my mind, you change the style of manipulation when it becomes less effective and when you when if you're dealing with another adult, the kind of manipulation because I I do manipulation in my job, I'm a mm -hmm. video director, right? It's literally my job to. <clears throat> kind of get other people to work together you just each person's different and each person takes a different type of quote-unquote manipulation you know some people like to be praised when they create something cool correct you know or some people need to be cajoled or and some people need to get a little kick in the butt so mm -hmm. that would be my answer would be when it becomes less effective thinking about it from an improv sense though if they are your partner in the scene you might not know what they're going to do next so you're trying to really connect with them on whatever the challenge or the question is at hand. So you could bring something from your character and try to see where their character is going to respond or not. And so if you are just bulldozing every scene, yeah. nobody's gonna wanna play with you or they're gonna find ways oh. to cut, cut that scene or it's gonna be, oh, now you're a one-sided character. Every time I get up there, oh, that's the expert. That person is confident. They know exactly what's happening. And if it doesn't happen exactly the way they want it, well, they're just going to get angry or like yeah. this is going to be a stalled out scene and it's going to be the same scene. So you got to really play oh, with sure. that without feeling like you're being pushed over. Like I can, I can, you know, lose, you know, as they talk about in improv, lose the fights so that we actually get closer on the scene. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, no, that's, that's fair. And I don't think I've ever used this uh, super hero skill in improv. <laughs> exactly, uh, exactly what you're saying. And, that is not to true your at all. point, I guess to your point and 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 Rob's point, I think that every um, I don't know every like skill set that you has have like there is a point where you have to be aware of how it's impacting the other person and whether it should be used in that setting. So I mean, fair. I think also maybe manipulation. My word choice is like putting it as like a very negative mm -hmm. um, way, but but like, you know, you 
as you mentioned, Rob, you manipulate you manipulate scenes, you manipulate, I mean, you're sure. moving things around and, and that's what manipulating means, right? Yeah. So I'm taking away the negative connotation. I mean, more so the activity or the action. All right, fair enough. And that is a great end of that discussion. Thank you guys. This has been super exciting. We're going to end uh, this week's show <laughs> with what's been good this week. Where we're each, and this is a new segment for us. Uh, we're each going to go around and talk about something that's been good this week. Um, <clears throat> and I kind of sprung it on these guys at the last minute. So hopefully you, you I'll, I'll go first. So you guys can think of something. Um, if you haven't already, I'm going to start with something my wife did this very morning. She overnight, she put a, a, a loaf of uh, some dough out on the, on the counter, woke up this morning, baked a fresh loaf of bread, sliced that into some nice one inch thick slices and then Yum. fried up some delicious French toast uh, with cardamom and cinnamon and so good. And then we put uh, whipped cream on it and strawberries. So that is, and a little bit of, uh, not, 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 not very much sugar at all. Well, I maybe had a little maple syrup too. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so that has been good. That was good this week. And I'm very grateful for that. Wow. All right. That who wants to go next? Delicious. It was, it was awesome. Oh, we also fried one secret we did. We fried it in uh, coconut oil which is a nice light oil and it, it doesn't add much of a flavor, but it adds just a little, little baby bit of flavor that was just delicious and it can get really hot too. So, all right. Who's, who's ready for the next one? Oh, oh I heard Topeka's voice. Um, yeah. Uh, so Rob, first of all, thank you for, uh, for cutting that conversation short before I dug a hole for myself. Appreciate you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, uh, I guess this week, um, I, I mean, Mitch has been in town and it has been, I guess the moment I would describe as like the highlight is, um, is like the moment where you like sit down right after work. So we'd work in separate rooms. And there was this one time where like it was Friday and we just decided like it was the end of our work day. And I walked over from the bedroom to the living room where he was working and like he put away with his laptop. And then we just sat there next to each other. Like, you know, when you have a long day at work and you just sit silently, I'd oh, yeah. say that was like the highlight uh, just like being able to sit next to someone and be silent, especially in during this time, but still be like physically less than six feet apart um, was was just wonderful. We just kind of processed our emotions for like only like maybe two or three minutes before we started figuring out what we were going to do next and watch a movie, etc. cetera. Uh, but yeah, definitely the highlight of the, of the week. Yay. I totally know what you mean about sitting in silence when you can get to that stage in a relationship. I know exactly what that feels like. Mm -hmm. That's such a beautiful thing. Uh, I'm trying to pick one thing because I feel like there are a number of highlights uh, that maybe I'm not fully remembering, but I'm going to pick uh, from yesterday. So the challenge yesterday, beautiful day here, was to get outside somewhere, but be, you know, socially distant from other folks. And that's a challenge because you can't go to the lakes right now. Uh, as we talked about last week, you can't go on bike rides because there are no destinations that you can stop at. Uh, but we, uh, we did get out. Um, my wife came up with a brilliant location in East St. Paul. Uh, I don't want to give away the name because I feel like it's going to be overcrowded. 
<laughs> you think our, you think our uh, massive podcast listeners are going to flood the park? <laughs> well, if if, uh, if they followed my stories from yesterday on Instagram, they would have got the location, the geolocation. <laughs> Uh, but it was it was a great just outdoor adventure with uh, my wife and my kid and just kind of a leisurely walk in nature that is not far from where we are and just being out a little bit uh, was something that I felt like without much of an agenda it didn't seem useful but I was pushed to go and I felt really great about it uh, and I know like that's really what I need. I need to just start something. I can't just wait. I need to actually make it happen. Um, and so this was a great opportunity to be outside, get some sunshine. And uh, we saw some frogs, we saw two snakes. That maybe was it for wildlife, but it was really nice. That's wonderful. Well, thank you guys. Thank, what a great podcast. I've super enjoyed that. Like I said earlier, when we weren't recording, this is always the favorite, this is my favorite part of the week. So thank you both very much. Lewis, you have a good rest of your week. You too, Rob. <laughs> oh, thank you. Topeka, I want you to have a good week too. Take care, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.